welcome to More Than Work, the podcast reminding you that your self-worth is defined by more than your job title. I'm Rabia, an IT project manager, comedian, nonprofit volunteer, and sometimes activist. Every week, I'll chat with a guest about pursuing passions outside of work or creating meaningful opportunities inside the workplace. As you listen, I hope you'll be inspired to do the same. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to More Than Work this week. I actually used to work with the person I'm going to interview, and she was always so great at just really positive and innovative communication on a subject that's not interesting to everybody, which is software development. And I'm really glad now to connect with her outside of work. I've been reading her writings for a while, and I'm excited for you to hear her. So Charmin Gio, Director and Customers Experience at Microsoft, leadership coach, aspiring author, everything. Welcome, Charmin. Why don't you um, introduce yourself? Thanks, Rabia. So yeah, I'm Charmin Gio, and currently my day job is as a communications director in customer experience and success at Microsoft. And my side hustle or hustles, if you will, are um, really using the yoga principles, which I teach in a physical yoga class, but seeing how I can apply those to the corporate world as well. I'm always looking at ways that we can better communicate and relate to one another. And so that's what I really enjoy doing is combining my personal passion and interests um, in yoga and wellness and fitness into my corporate job. That's super because a lot of times we can't really apply those things or don't know how they would, but you, you'll notice at work, maybe like you'll know someone's into yoga or know someone's in a meditation and you'll kind of see that they're maybe operating on a different level than you, but not realizing that they're maybe applying that to their work. So they're not going to lose their temper, for example. Yeah. I do sometimes. <laughs> it's a, it's an evolution. And what, what I call it is, you know, yoga is skill in action, right? It's taking that evenness of the mind, which I think we're all trying to, to experience, right? And how you can take that into certain situations. So the way I look at it is when I practice yoga, and I've practiced hot yoga and various types of yoga, and you put yourself into this physically stressful environment, but you're like, okay, for 60 minutes, I can make it through this class and I can come out on the other side more maybe relaxed or centered. I figure if I can do that in a hot yoga room at 100 degrees, what then can I do with a coworker who might be struggling with something? Or maybe if my temper gets elevated at work, how can I look to those yoga practice to go, all right, let's see this for what it really is. And, you know, there's this notion that you never really experience the world. All you experience is your nervous system in reaction to what's happening in the world. So I try to keep that present. Easier said than done. I mean, I lose my temper all the time. And and it's just a matter of just being aware of it's happening, maybe pausing, taking a breath or taking a walk <laughs> if you need to, and then coming back and dealing with that situation. Yeah, which is already great advice because I think, especially with remote working, I feel like there are different aspects now going on with that. When you're in an office and you're sitting in a meeting room with a bunch of people, there's a different way you might react than what you have the opportunity to do to react at home, I guess, because you're maybe not even on camera, you're just in your, in your home. So, and I think it could go either way of being like, you're isolated. So you're not having the same coping skills you might have if you're around people. But then on the other hand, you're not around people. So maybe you can get away with more. (laughs) It's true. Have you noticed for you that I assume you're working at home? I am. Have you noticed that for you just when you're in the office versus at home, like any, anything that's changed for you on that level of just interacting with people, maybe how you're handling stress in a different way? Yeah, I think we're all learning about how we are going to you know, empathize with one another and really get to know one another. You know, I joined my job at Microsoft just a few months before we were all moved to remote work. And like you, and when we worked together, we were for a company that did work 100% remote. And what that company did was really focused on getting its people together a couple of times a year and making the most of that time together so you could create those bonds so that for longer periods of time when you were remote, you could 
think back or draw on those experiences that you had together, right? So when I made this transition to Microsoft, one of the pillars that I was looking for was a company that had a presence in the Seattle area where I live, because I missed that in-person connection. So I had it for a couple of months, and then here we all are remote. And so I think what can be hard is the subtleties, right? The body language, or if you have a relationship with somebody, just a little glance across the table at them and a smile, right? So I think it's the small nuances, it's the (laughs) body language. We don't get that when you're just waist up on camera or not on camera. So what I try to do is use the tools that we have like I am sometimes or scheduling times with people that isn't so structured, right? I think another thing that I'm really yearning for is right now, everybody is very um, highly scheduled back-to-back meetings, which doesn't necessarily foster that water cooler conversations you used to have or passing somebody in the hall or going to lunch and really getting to know them more deeply. And so I'm trying to create space within my schedule to have even if they're digital or, you know, I am on teams, whatever it might be, more periods of space and just time to brainstorm or get to know one another or reflect. And so it's not so task driven all the time. Um, Some days and weeks are easier to do that than others, but I really try to make a point multiple times a week to think, gosh, who haven't I connected with this week? who might be having sort of a rough time based on their work schedule mm-hmm. or their family, you know, schedule. And I'll just re- reach out to them and say, Hey, I'm thinking of you and I hope you're having a great day. And even just that smallest little action that might take 20 seconds over time, as you continue to put those out there, it, it just feels good to let people know that they're not alone. Right. And I think that's in just really not expecting much in return. Right. Just yeah. that sense of, I see you, I acknowledge you, I, I miss interacting with you and I'm sending you a little bit of good energy to hope you have a great day. So those are some of the things I try to do more regularly. That's great. And actually just so today's Saturday, just because people will be listening on any day of the week. So set that frame of reference, but Today's Saturday. So yesterday, I ended up connecting with two colleagues. We just got did an impromptu call, kind of like you're saying. One of them reached out and said, hey, how's it going? And we hadn't talked all week. And usually we at least say that little hi every day. It's kind of like I have a couple buddies. We just always do that. And then we were chatting and just we decided to get on the phone because I was making breakfast because he's an hour ahead. And then another guy came up in our conversation and he's in the same time zone. So we reached out to him and Hey, you want to join us? He's like, actually, yeah. And turns out he had been having a rough week. And so it was kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, we really just talked about normal stuff like, Oh, what are you doing this weekend? And then, Oh, how's your project? Oh, remember this project and laughing and stuff. And um, I don't know. I mean, in a way it's like, it was doing a lot for yeah. me just to have that connection, you know, for a little bit, but it was also, I think doing a lot for them. And I do think, what I've seen clients struggle with because mm. I'm client facing is adjusting to this and wanting to see people in connection. So, so I think you're, you're in, you have an interesting perspective since you've right. done both, but a lot of people have never done the remote thing. Yeah. I think you're, you're key there too, that you guys were laughing, right? So I'm always trying to think about joy, right? How much joy do you have in your mm-hmm. day period, but even in your work day, Right. So if you can bring a little bit of levity and lightness and, yeah. and joy and and quite frankly, not take ourselves so seriously right now, it's a lot of things in the world are really heavy. There's a lot of things going on and people are really struggling in many ways that yeah. may not show up at work because they're, you know, maybe trying to keep those more hidden or more private. And so another tactic that I'm using, I think this goes to being new at a large company. I've never worked at a company the size of Microsoft before. And it's one of the things I challenged myself with is, you know what it's like to work at a small company and that's a comfort zone for you. So why don't you challenge yourself with the next step? So um, coming into a large ecosystem like Microsoft and then shortly thereafter being remote, some of the key things I'm using for myself is keep it simple. Right. I think I tend to sometimes, and I think even in big corporations, like things Mm -hmm. get really complicated really quickly. 
And you don't have that person who's maybe in the next office to just pop in and say, hey, can I ask you a question real quick? Because <laughs> sometimes, again, you have to schedule this with how busy we are in this in this remote world. So I think keeping things simple and yeah. then just being kind to one another and realizing that most of us, the work that we're doing each day is is not you know, saving lives. So, you know, to the people who are doing that on the front lines, right, they have a different perspective and a different take. But I try to really keep things that if I can keep today even a little brighter for one or two people that I work with, can they maybe take that energy to their family or their community or another person that they work with? And so just incrementally keep it simple and be kind mm-hmm. and keep things in perspective are also two rules I'm trying to practice. Yeah. And that's true. And keeping perspective is really important because, and that's one reason I created this podcast was I was living in a space with myself where things, there was the perspective was fo- focused slow, solely. Wow. Yeah. Was focused solely on how I was doing at work and it, and then it didn't matter what I was doing in my life in a way. And that's not a good place to be for sure. Thinking about your job, search. And I know you've written a blog post. I'm definitely going to link to you so people can just read more. And I encourage people already, I'll just say to read what you've had to say online on your blog. But um, when you were looking for a new job, one thing that interested me about talking to you was how you really did set criteria. Because I think some Mm -hmm. people, when they look for a job, they're like, what place will have me? I'll go wherever will take me. Because they've gotten into a place where they don't feel good enough. And I've seen this happen with many friends and to myself. But you seem to have kind of flipped that and said, let me go to the place that I want to be. Mm-hmm. So you talked about you wanted something that had a presence in Seattle. Yeah, this what are the criteria is, is you choose for yourself? For me in my life, um, it was a year or so of tremendous growth and, and challenge. Um, and like you in the past... I had taken, I hadn't been very intentional about this, about my career. My career's been twofold. I've been an entrepreneur and then I worked in the corporate world, uh, primarily in technology as a marketer. And like you mentioned, I oftentimes would take an opportunity simply because it was presented to me thinking, oh, well, this is great. And who knows if I'll get a better offer, right? To, to simplify things. And so I came to a point where I had been working in a marketing function in organizations where I was expected to communicate uh, how they wanted to show up in the world, right? And so a brand, right? What does a brand promise? And what does that mean? And what are their values? But what had happened too many times is what they wanted to be and what they really were and were practicing were two different things. And I felt conflicted. Mm-hmm. around the fact that I was supposed to spin a story or a picture that wasn't necessarily true. And and I'm somebody who's never really been able to fake it in my life, right? I'm I'm pretty open and honest. I try to live as authentically as I can. And so when I looked at where I'd been, and so I did some reflection about, gosh, where have I been? And I'm grateful where it's gotten me today, but where do I want to go in the future? One of the things that was key was a company that, number one, had a bold, audacious mission. Um, and secondly, or not not in any sort of pri- an order, but also that had values that aligned with my values and that demonstrated that they were living those values in concrete ways. Right. So how did they treat their people? How did they give back to their community and to the world? Um, How did they demonstrate their work was inclusive of all types of people and all types of areas? So, you know, these these Mm -hmm. um, primal things to me that I lived my life by, I thought, is there a company that... And the people that I think can also match this. So the bold mission, the values, in-service leadership, a Seattle presence, and a large public company were the primary criteria that I uh, put around my job search. And that that narrowed it down pretty quickly <laughs> to, you know, about 
about three to five companies that I was really targeting. And then I was super intentional about seeing how I could build my network around those companies. When you thought about the values, how did you arrive at Mm -hmm. your set of values? So your set of values might be different than mine. I think ours are very aligned. Uh, I was very lucky early in my career to work at a company that really did do a lot with community responsibility or, you know, now it's more like community consciousness, I think is what is more the term, but uh, so that was easy for me. And then that's something I've lacked in other places. Mm-hmm. How did you come up? With Again, I think I did then? some reflection. Um, there's some exercises that I've used that have helped me identify those values and they've shown up in these different things. So some of the exercises that I recommend people experiment with are, um, you know, your 10 year plan. And that's essentially looking forward 10 years exactly to the day of where you are now. And you, you write your, what that day looks like from start to finish and you don't leave out any details right? Minute details about what you're wearing and what you're, what you might be drinking in the morning for your, you know, morning ritual and where you live and the kind of work you do and the people you're with. And so I did that. Another thing that I I started to do during my, my time off, my, my pivot to work that I love is I kept track of my time. I'm a real believer that time is a great equalizer. We all have 24 hours in the day and how you spend it says a lot about what you value. And so I started keeping track of my time. And for about a year and a half, every single day, I wrote down my time in certain categories. And my goal was, is does how I spend my time reflect how I feel emotionally each day? So if I'm spending more time with people, intimate one-to-one communications, which I like, am I doing that? Does that make me feel better that day if I'm exercising, if I'm out in nature? And so in going through some of these exercises that that really helped me craft the kind of life I wanted to live, I was able to draw on things like, um, you know, integrity is a value that is very strong to me. I I recognize mm-hmm. situations where I felt people had acted out of integrity and that gut feeling you get that just senses something is off, right? And so what I did is I thought, you know, at the end of each day, if I really want yeah. to end that day feeling good about myself and my contributions to the world and my relationships, what things need to be in place. And so, you know, integrity is one, accountability is another one. Um, I hold myself to a high bar. I tend to hold others to the same. And if I'm not sort of delivering what I say I'm going to, I hope that people bring that to my attention. And and I, I do the same. And I think, again, that can be done in kindness and in in a constructive way. So I just really looked at my life and how I wanted to live and what made me feel good versus what made me feel icky and then drew out what those qualities were. I kind of feel right now like Brene Brown when she has to just take a moment. And I'm not saying I'm like Brene Brown at all. I I really look up to her, but I do. I feel like cause there's a lot there and there's a lot that I had kind of knows to talk to you about. So uh, I'll get to all of them because I want to talk to you about gut instinct and you know, I want to talk to you about holding people accountable. Mm -hmm. But first, I think I want to talk to you about the time tracking part. Because so I've done the thing where you try to track what you're eating, you know, and then what I've found for myself, and this is just like Mm -hmm. a confession, I guess, is when I have a day that I'm ashamed about, Mm -hmm. that's when I stop doing it. Right? Because I'm like, well, forget it. And then I just don't go back to it. And as though that's going to help anything. And so I was thinking about the time tracking today, I sat and watch TV yeah. for about four hours today. Yeah. I'll admit that because I had a really long week and, you know, I just kind of sat. But then I'm thinking I can almost see like falling into that trap, too, of I'm doing something that I perceive to be sort of a waste of time, even though yeah. maybe it's also considered self-care. Because if I'm not really numbing out, but I'm just really just need to rest and watch TV. So did you come up with anything when you started looking at your time? And did you start to shift things during that time that you were tracking it? And say, oh, yeah, I'm spending too much time there. That's and maybe did you ever feel like it just wasn't mm. something you wanted to do and almost have that feeling of that's, oh, that's what am I doing interesting. And here's how I can frame that up in my experience. So for the year and a half, I was very um, specific about how I tracked my time. I did it in a spreadsheet. 
I did it at the same time every day and I had certain categories. Now, again, what I was trying to track back from was my emotional rating for the day. So my rating went from a a zero would be sort of a Mm -hmm. meh, sort of a blah day, right? You know, average day. Uh, A negative one would be Mm -hmm. that was not a great day. A negative two would be something, you know, really was off that day. And then the other side is a, a, a one plus mm-hmm. is, oh, this was a good day. And a two plus was, this was the best day of my you know, existence. So what I was trying to mm-hmm. do is go, okay, to have yeah. two plus days every day, you know, what things are in common with how I spent my day. So mm-hmm. the other categories that I decided to track my day, my time in was hours in flow or creativity. How much time did I spend uninterrupted where I was in deep work mm-hmm. or creativity or flow? That was one area. Another area was relationships. That's important to me. How much time each day did I spend in relationship with other mm-hmm. people? Another thing that I tracked was uh, activity, right? Active hours. How many hours was I physically active? This is hiking, working out, practicing yoga, whatever it might be. And then I also decided to track sleep. I love to sleep. And I think it also has a big uh, impact on how you feel each day. And so what I did after the 18 months is I tallied up all my, you know, not so good days to my great days. And I tried to see what they had in common. One of the things that my, my good days had in common was I spent an average of two hours in what I, uh, categorize as self-care. This was mostly my active hours, but they also included some relationship hours, which fill me up and make me feel good or some, you know, really seeking out some healthy food and, and preparing that. So sort of fast forward to being in a pandemic and feeling separated from people. And I decided to do a, a wellness challenge for a group of friends. And so I'm, I'm coming around to your comment. I'm just taking a little while to get around the bend. But what I did is I went, okay, in my days that I felt the best, where I spent two hours in, in self-care, let's really break that down. And let's do a challenge that for, for, for 30 days, you're going to spend 60 hours of self-care. So averaging two hours a day. And I put this out to a group of friends, people I didn't even know, and asked them to sponsor folks. And so a, a group of about 10 of us got together for the month of September that just passed And we committed to 60 hours of wellness in 30 days. And we primarily communicated through a a chat app. And to your point, you know, where I thought it would be all this driving around, you know, working out or being out in nature and all these things that I enjoyed, it was a revelation to discover that one day a woman said, today I did nothing. And it was the best care, the best time I could Mm -hmm. have spent on myself. And to your point, I never had considered really, because I'm a person of action, right? That really doing nothing can sometimes yeah, be exactly same. what you need. So whereas I might have faulted myself for that day, spending the whole day on the couch or taking a nap or whatever you do, she was reveling in it and, and was bringing it to our attention about how it was the best thing she could have done for herself. And it mm-hmm. just completely flipped on its side, how self-care means different thing to different people or at different times in your life, or it doesn't look the same all the time for everyone. So it might just be what you need in that moment and then let it go. It could be different the next day. No, that's a good point. And I'm, I'm a person who I'm always doing something and I will, I'll be kind of hard on myself if I'm not. And it's kind of a weird thing, but then to that end, what you were saying just now reminded me of, I just went on this yoga and paddleboarding retreat, which was cool, but I really haven't practiced yoga. I mean, I remember yeah. I had these like Rodney E videos or something like back 20 years ago of, of VHS. And I would do that like morning yoga, AM yoga, and I wouldn't do the PM one. So it was a really physical, a physical challenge, but I was kind of expressing to one of the women and the group I was in, you know, I'm really, worried. I don't know if I can do this and I'm going to probably just sit down. And I kind of went, was going, I was walking into the room thinking, I'm just going to sit. I'm not going to do anything. Cause last time I had been to yoga, it was a very hard class. It was heated. I don't, I don't like to get too hot for health reasons. And it was just a horrible experience. So I was just already 
coming into another sphere. And then she mm. just tells me she's a actually an Olympic level athlete. Uh, and she tells me, she goes, you just do what you can. Like, this isn't about you doing the best or you competing with anyone or being the best. You just do what you can. So do what's comfortable. And that's what yoga is. And yeah. it kind of it reminds me of what you're saying just about downtime too. It is what it is for you. Uh, do you find that yoga has helped you or do you agree oh. with what she said about yoga? Yeah. Yoga itself has really, I don't think it's too bold to say it's changed my life. And it's really allowed me in so many areas of my life, I think starting with parenting, uh, which can be hard, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Also work tremendously hard. Being a good partner in life can be really hard. There's ways that we can be hard on ourselves. And one of the things that allowed me to do is just have more self-compassion. You know, there, there's another, there's a, a thought within mm-hmm. yoga and other philosophies that a nervous system that is kind to others is kind to itself, right? So this this continuous cycle of compassion and kindness that you must first really work on with yourself before you can be with other people. And when I very first started going to yoga and in a heated room, which was quite hot and I'm very competitive, mostly with myself, that competitive nature is not... It's not at ease with yoga at all. And I remember the teacher saying, if you just want to lay down for the entire class in Shavasana, then that is what you should do today. And at first I was like, heck no. Like, why would I come here to lay down? You know what I mean? But it almost (laughs) takes more give up, right? just, Just letting things go to simply lay there for an hour while people are actively moving around you. Like that stillness and that practice Mm -hmm. and that kindness to yourself is amazing. I'm still working on getting there. Right. So it's so true. I think yoga in many aspects, you know, it's, it's it's a spiritual practice. It's a mindful practice. It's, it's skill in action is what I like to refer to it as. And really the letting go in your, of your own ego is central to the philosophy and man, that's a yeah. tough one. That's a lifelong uh, practice. <laughs> I, I could see how it was beneficial. Every time I've done it, I've seen that, but it's just yeah. a hard thing to do, I think. And also just even, yeah, maybe the aspect of having to be quiet mm-hmm. and having to mm-hmm. just be in your head a bit and let go of things. And mm-hmm. that can be even stressful in itself somehow you know, cause you're like, Oh, I should be doing this. Or yeah. That. Yeah. You have time to think about things and let them go, <laughs> you know? So when you talk about integrity and holding people accountable and then expecting, or I, you didn't say expecting, but hoping that they're also going to hold you accountable. I think one thing that's led to disappointment sometimes to me is that I do have a certain mm-hmm. level of integrity and I won't always see it displayed and I'll expect it. And maybe not tell someone I'm expecting Mm -hmm. that, but I just think, well, you would think they'd do that because that's what I would do. Um, And I do hope to get called out myself in those cases. How did you, how do you kind of handle, I guess, that kind of thing? And you see it in corporate. I mean, that's where I've seen it at work. That can be a tough one. And I think to your point, I similarly expect to get what I give And oftentimes I'm left, you know, Mm -hmm. surprised, irritated, annoyed, dumbfounded, whatever you would like to put there about the fact that I'm not getting in return what I give. And I'm really coming up to this sort of this, this idea of karma yoga, which is selfless action, right? And so this idea of, of giving and not expecting anything in return, but there's also a sense that at work you have deliverables and you have outcomes and you're being measured on your performance. And, and so it doesn't mean that you just don't care about those things, right? You still want to perform at a certain level and ensure that your team and your company succeed. Mm -hmm. So I can think of a particular situation when, you know, in marketing, oftentimes I would partner with the head of sales and and we should be a very close partnership. And there was, you know, some, some misaligned misalignment between myself and the head of sales. And I was irritated for a while, to be honest. And so 
what I decided to do really is actually just talk to him about it and say, wow, you know, I assume we were working towards this commonly shared goal and the way I'm going about it is, is X. Um, Do you, how are you going about it? So I guess assuming the best of intent with people and maybe there is a whole side of their nature or mm-hmm. their work that you are not aware of, right? And and so sometimes just opening that dialogue about here's what I expect of myself. And I, I thought that as a team, we were headed this direction. You know, do you see it the same way? Great. Can you help me understand how you're trying to get there? So yeah. it can be hard and it can be um, intimidating, to when people think they're being challenged on, you know, their performance or expectations. But I think maybe acknowledging that you yourself are still working on things and just simply having a conversation about it without accusing somebody or assuming something can be the first step. Yeah, that's great. And I recently I was talking to someone about, about that. They were asked to do something that they felt they shouldn't have even been asked to do, but they agreed to do it because of, I'd say a power dynamic. And it wasn't anything, you know, (laughs) nothing that you would, (laughs) would end up in the news, but it was just like a thing where they had said, yeah. And then they felt annoyed with the person for even asking. And we talked about it and, and talked through a solution. And one of the suggestions I made was first Mm -hmm. of all, acknowledge that you're responsible for saying yes. Like you're, you, chose to say yes. And even if you felt like you had no choice, you chose that. So if you take that responsibility, then, and say, well, the past won't change, you can talk about the future behavior or future ask of the person, right? And, you know, and it was easy for me to look at it that way, because it wasn't my situation. But I think kind of your approach too is asking questions. Yeah, I guess that leads me to the getting curious part of, I know that's something that you've talked about. Um, Really, if you have a true North manifesto you've written that's online that, again, I encourage people to read. Um, I was particularly struck by you just saying that, you know, true North, what is it? That's your orienting point. Um, and that resonates with me ah. a lot. I actually recently got a tattoo, which I thought I would never do in my life, but I did. <laughs> and it's a compass with the word love instead of the directions because the yeah. One of the big reasons is that's what I try to be guided by. And so I like that it's a reminder, but also like a physical statement about that. And so um, you have listed like be curious, be thorough and be consistent. And so long, I guess a long way to getting here is I want to talk about the curiosity aspect. So I almost feel like the way you talked about right mm. now addressing that problem is almost really even driven by curiosity. Like, what are you doing? And so how has curiosity played into you yeah I I I do call myself a very curiosity driven person I'm someone who learns through experiences and I think that you know I call myself more street smart than book smart right not that I don't respect people that have you know studied and Mm -hmm. and I do love to read and I learn a lot from reading but I think where I really get to even know myself and other people is putting those things into practice. And that just comes with asking like, what's next or why'd you do that? Or how did this happen? Right. And just, I think these types of questions of yourself and other people help you look at things from different perspectives, right? A diverse perspective. And so I'm always trying to get out of my own head in my own way to think, well, I'm in this situation or looking at the situation because of who I am and, and my beliefs and how I was raised and where I live. But interesting if someone else with a different background or history could look at the same problem and see it another way. And what could the two of us possibly accomplish with this cognitive diversity Mm -hmm. to solve a challenge or a problem, right? So I'm always looking at things like how can it be reframed how can it be reconsidered and not being afraid to change your mind about maybe a fixed belief you had about X. But then if you have a conversation with somebody who can show you that we could actually solve it by these types of things that maybe I had like mind blowing, right? I just, those are the moments I'm in flow, right? Those are the moments that I'm so deeply 
in thought mm-hmm. or in conversation with somebody that you lose time. And I don't, I think that for myself, if I'm not constantly mm-hmm. questioning sort of my own beliefs or my own experience, I'm not going to continue to learn and grow. And so I always try to pick something that I'm curious about and write it down and and go down that rabbit hole. And maybe you learn something great. Maybe you spend three hours on something that's not necessarily interesting, but you don't know unless you try, right? Yeah. And and I'm not always, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm super resourceful. I'm very curious. I like to innovate and change the way that things are done today. So maybe they can be done a different, better, more interesting, more effective way tomorrow. Um, so I, I sort of go back and forth between being highly creative and curious and like very operational and process driven. Mm-hmm. And I, I think curiosity is maybe the common trait between those yeah. two sides that have allowed me to, you know, be an entrepreneur and, and um, build things in the corporate world that I've been pretty proud of. I was thinking about, I could see a personal application of that. I don't, I'm only child. Perspective. So do you have siblings by chance? I have you two don't. kids. Yes. So, but you have, you have more than one kid, right? So you have two kids. So I have a sister and we sometimes see things Absolutely. very differently that happened that we were both <laughs> present for. And my mom <laughs> will see it very differently. And, <laughs> and so it depends on, you know, what, the situation is and why we're talking about it, where that takes us. And sometimes it is a matter right. of like, well, I have the perspective of a 10 year old when I have a, a memory and my sister, maybe of an eight year old and then my mom of <laughs> how old she was. I won't age my mom. She won't appreciate that. <laughs> but it's interesting because sometimes when we're able to have a conversation, that's more learning yeah. and understanding versus accusing and whatever it's a lot easier. So I think that applies really well in that way too. Yeah, that's, that's exactly, you know, what I, I was that. sort of thinking about is, is, and I, I, I can apply this again to work and, you know, I, I consider myself more of a creative person, although I've been in like marketing operations roles, but some of my largest challenges have been working with people who are, who are engineers. Right. And so we, we, often may have a, uh, you know, a, a common goal, but how we get from one point to the next is so dramatically different. And early in my career, I would become extremely frustrated by working with folks who, you know, maybe are like in an accounting or in an engineer, um, very sort of black and white oftentimes, where I'm full of colors. And so I think that I've been better at recognizing that it's not my way or the highway because I also like to be right. <laughs> I know that about myself. <laughs> and so being right <laughs> has become less important than learning from people. And so I'm trying as I gain wisdom and get older to go, all right, what can I learn from this person who sees things very differently? Although we may get to the end of this together, how can our journey there be interesting mm-hmm. And full of learnings and collaborative instead of a battle. No, I like that. And I think I have my (laughs) episode title now too. So that's great. (laughs) So good. Uh, So I guess I want to talk to you about so much stuff. So let me go to, first of all, like trust your instincts, right? And the idea of trusting your instincts and your gut. That's something that I think takes a lot of practice. I think I'm good at it at least identifying what my gut says, but not necessarily trusting it. And even recently I was in some group that I felt the leader of it wasn't really Mm -hmm. reflecting the values that he was stating, kind of similar to what you've described with work. And this was uh, an extracurricular thing I'm, I'm doing comedy and I was blaming myself and well, I'm too sensitive. I'm just taking things the wrong way, whatever. And then I actually promoted it and then uh, someone signed up because of my promotion and they had the same experience. And then I realized, I realized, whoa, yeah, you endorsed something you shouldn't have because you knew, but you were blaming yourself and you weren't listening to what your gut said. And all's well that ends well now, 
but I had to apologize to the person, which they didn't want from me, but I did because I really didn't mean to do that to them and put them in a situation I where they felt like I had felt. And I found out someone else had felt the same way too, but they just didn't communicate it. And I guess what was interesting to me was yeah. one that I knew, I knew weeks ago and I didn't do anything about it, but two that other people knew and they didn't. And I just felt like if any of us would have listened to our gut and also communicated, it would have been better. How have you gone about developing that skill of mm-hmm. trusting mm-hmm. your gut? Because I think a lot of us hear our gut. We don't trust it. Yeah, I continue to work on that for sure. And I think through experiences like you just described is how you begin to hone in and really narrow um, narrow the options, right? You either trust yourself or you don't. And you either build up the confidence mm-hmm. over time to listen to that or you continue to be at the mercy of other people and their ego and, and their motives, right? And I think you come to a point where you're like, no, mm-hmm. I do not want to have that knot in my stomach or feel as though somebody else's problems, I'm going to be a reflection of their problems, right? And so um, I think, you know, there's mm-hmm. this there's this little plaque I have on my wall from a dear friend who I've grown up with and danced with, who's also a yogi. And and it says, be still and know. So this stillness that comes from being with yourself that you Mm. mentioned earlier, that is hard, right? But if you are in that stillness, even if it's 60 seconds or an hour, whatever it might be, the answer to what you should do is, is really inside you. And so I think that being confident in, in who you are and having pure intentions and not attached to the outcomes of what the might be are some of the ways that I question myself around my gut. Like if, if my spidey senses kick in and you get that little prickle on the back of your neck and you, you're, you snap to attention when somebody says something that sounds weird or doesn't feel right. I sort of ask myself these questions like, you know, does, do I want to be a reflection of, of this idea? Right. Do I want to stand behind this idea or this concept mm-hmm. or this action wholeheartedly with everything that I am? Do I want to be associated with how this feels and how this is impacting other people? Right. And if your answer to, to a lot of those are no way, right, mm-hmm. then you gotta you gotta cut and run. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. So I want to talk to you a little bit about Orange Blossom Society, yeah. which was you as an entrepreneur, how did that business come about? And do you see yourself trying to do that? Uh, kind of that's the question that, that warms my heart. Um, Orange Blossom Society was a pinnacle time in my life. And I call it a culmination of being a mother, an artist, an entrepreneur, and a marketer. It's where everything came together for me. Um, it, it happened simply because I had reload. I'm a native of the Pacific Northwest of the Seattle area. I lived in New York and LA for about 10 years. I'd come from LA um, back to the Northwest because I wanted to raise my kids here. And I came back during the economic downturn and quite frankly, couldn't get a job in marketing. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm really resourceful once again. And I had had a successful um, children's dance program in the LA area. And so that was my first entrepreneurial venture. And so when I came back up here, my mom is also an entrepreneur and had run a successful local children's dance studio for, gosh, 40 years or so. So my dance experience in L.A., I didn't really didn't really translate it to Seattle because I didn't want to be like, hey, mom, I'm home and now I'm going to compete with you (laughs) side by side. So I, I did a lot of soul searching and I, I took really, again, what I knew as a mom and a marketer and being back in my hometown and what I was really striving for to to have in my life and yearning for really was a sense of community mm-hmm. and a place where families could come and be fully present with their children. It's one thing that I've always tried to 
be with myself and my my friends, my family, but particularly when I became a parent is being present with your child in the moment as much as possible. And that's, again, a daily challenge. But imagine if you had a place where you could come and it was all about enriching experiences with your family and with your kids. So this center was a beautiful uh, historical craftsman home at a half an acre. And we had foreign language, yoga, um, an organic garden, music classes, art classes, community gatherings. It was the most special place. And even the name, um, and I have the mural right behind me on the wall that's in my office today. It was in my office there. When I came up with the name, I wanted the name to be a reflection of what you felt at this place, what you felt in this presence and with your family. And so, you know, orange means creativity and fascination. Blossom is growth and inspiration. And society is a place where people can connect. And so this was a special place that um, was part of my life for about three years. And then, of course, life tosses you some curveballs and you duck and you pivot and you change. And I go back to corporate. (laughs) (laughs) But I really hope at one time that through my yoga practice and through the principles that I'm trying to practice in corporate corporate America through an in-service leadership model, that I can come full circle and maybe have a place like this for, you know, where I'm at at that stage of my life. Then I was a mother with young children relocating to my hometown, you know, in 10 years or so from now, what's the community that I want to nurture at that time? And can I come full circle and use, you know, this many years of experience to create a place for that then? And that's really, um, that's really what I want to do. And in one of my blogs, I wrote, it's a good time to dream. And I think in this pandemic where our lives as we know it are really changing forever and, and business and community and, and all that is changing. I think it's a good time to reimagine what we want the future to look and feel like for ourselves and orange blossom society. I really feel deeply will be something that I come back to in one way or another. However, it may, you know, involve different types of people at different stages of their life. Mm So um, that's, that's, that's a dream of mine for sure. I like it though. And I think I have a friend who actually just started, not just, but she started a school a little while back in San Diego where the kids are learning Spanish, Chinese, and English, and music's involved. And yeah. her experience in her life, she speaks Chinese, Spanish, and English. And she lived in Mexico for a while, and she is Chinese and grew up in San Diego. And so she found the importance of the culture and travel and language and everything. And so I think what you're describing sounds great because also I think parents, I don't know, I'm not a parent. It's at this I was going to say I'm not a parent or probably never will be, but who knows about that stuff. But right. um, I'm not a parent, but I have a lot of friends who are parents. My sister's a parent. And one thing I've seen even since the time since my nephew was born, because he's 15 to now, you know, there's a lot more of the device usage now. There's a lot yeah. more of a need, especially now that people's work space is their home where they might yeah. not have had to always be working. That's there. So I think, it's hard for parents to disconnect and it's hard to get kids to disconnect. They're all on Mm -hmm. zoom all day because of class. I mean, they're practically like little workers. Like I know. So I think a place that you're describing like that, or just the idea that getting outside or getting into nature or getting into some place indoors where the focus isn't just that sounds great, you know, and something people can kind of create in their home. Like they can create a garden and it's true. Yeah. But, Good point. But um, as far as your blog, and we've, I referred to a couple of posts and you've talked about it. So tell me a little bit about your writing and you as a writer and how you kind of use that as something that's just kind of another dimension of you, which there are a lot. Yeah. I use it as a way to organize my thoughts. Really. It's, it's, kind of a selfish endeavor that I hope will be useful mm-hmm. to people in one way or another. And I, I journal a lot. Um, and what I hope to do is be able to take what I've learned through 
my experiences and document them and write about them and share them in a way that could be helpful to other people, even if that's one other person, right? I, I, I think about, you know, what have I gone through in the last 10 or 15 years that someone in that same stage of their life could be struggling with and maybe just reading about my experiences or getting a tip or um, talking about it with somebody could help them through it. And so really it's, it's um, sort of a self therapy by way of just writing things out to gather my thoughts and think through on how I might be able to help other people. And so the reason for starting my job blog was to actually put some discipline around getting it out there. And I have so many ideas and I have so many notes that that's my problem now is I have this continuous (laughs) list of notes and ideas that it's like a a second full-time job to manage my own monkey mind and getting all that stuff out there. But um, I hope over time I can create more time and space to do that. And, and eventually, you know, I'd love to, gosh, you know, is it, it's really aspirational to think that maybe I'll write a book someday. And it was kind of cool actually recently in the last six months, my mom found a book that my grandma who passed away when I was young, my grandma had started writing a book And so my mom passed it to me. And so now I'm reading about my grandma and her childhood and our family who I never knew through my grandma's words. And it's been really powerful. And so, you know, hopefully if I have something to share or learn, it can be enjoyed by future, um, you know, people in my situation or not. Yeah. And that's really special. I mean, especially with grandparents whenever we lose them we never had a chance to ask them that one thing so that's really special you get to read her work it is and I I actually I find that my grandma has such a great sense of humor right (laughs) and she passed away when I was about 11 and at that age I don't know if you recognize sense of humor in your family right your grandma's your grandma and you love her and you hang out and it's super and I will go through her readings and I find myself laughing out (laughs) loud because she just had this really great sense of humor so it, it brings this really wonderful deep appreciation once again for who she she was and and um and hopefully I can just carry that forward and and my grandchildren might be reading what I've written would be amazing yeah I I think they'll at least need to read a couple of the things just to get through (laughs) just from what I be like oh that wacky lady no (laughs) wonder we're all nuts (laughs) yeah yeah you can take take credit for having this sense of humor from them, but also like, Oh, that's why, that's why I'm like this. That's right. Um, one thing you mentioned was karma yoga. And I want to know if I understood correctly because a lot of times, and I've done it say, well, they'll get theirs. That's bad karma. And you think of karma almost like weaponizing it like, mm-hmm. Oh, well, I don't have to get back at them karma will. And I think there's like almost an unevolved viewpoint of what that means. And there's not the counter. It's almost like we take credit if something good happens and like, Oh, well, totally, you know, so yeah, yeah. the karma yoga, it sounds like really just living intentionally in a good way and not instead of using karma in the way that like, well, they're going to get it say, well, sure. is that what you were kind of? Yeah. I'm really, yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up. So I'm actually going back to the very basis. So the Bhagavad Gita, which is one of the, you know, earliest um, Hindu scriptures, which mentions yoga, actually categorizes karma yoga as um, basically yoga of action, selfless action is what it is. And so the idea about karma is cause and effect. Okay. And so our modern way of looking at it is, yeah, what comes around goes around, right? Mm-hmm. You know, karma is a bleep, yeah. right? So these <laughs> types of things, yeah. So I'm going back to the roots as to, and it's really how I think about leadership in corporate America as well, is that you give without expecting anything in return. You give because it's the right thing to do, because it's the way to to lift people up and help them learn and so forth. And so the way I look at karma is, this also idea of what you give is what you get. If you are giving positive, uplifting, helpful, constructive sort of feedback and information, the idea is that you'll get the same back mm-hmm. in return. And that's really the basis for how I look at 
myself in corporate America, how I look at myself as a parent, as a, as a friend, as a daughter is, you know, how would I feel of getting this kind of, um, uh, you know, action back to me in one way or another. And so that's, that's really the, the karma yoga that I talk about is can we be full of selfless action, Mm -hmm. expecting nothing in return and just hoping the best for those around us. And hopefully that comes back to us. Cool. Thanks for walking through that. Cause I think that's an important thing for people to take away. All right. So I have a couple of standard questions I ask at the very end that are supposed to be fun. But the first one before that you've given, I think almost this entire podcast episode will be good advice and mantra, but do you have any piece of advice that was given to you or just that you've developed that, you tend to find you're imparting on others more often than not, or maybe a Mm. mantra that you want to share? So there's two, the, the, the first piece of really great advice I got in business. This was my first job in marketing in my twenties. And again, we, you and I have talked about being people of action, right? Mm. So I think I've always wanted to like have my task list and check everything off and feel accomplished and okay, job well done. And now I can, you know, go home. And my boss gave me some really good advice. And she said, always anticipate the needs of your customer. Hmm. And so what can you do in your work today to consider what the customer might need tomorrow and beyond? And that's something that's really stuck with me. And, and, and you can, you can replace customer with any thing that you want, right? Yeah. It can be always anticipate the needs of your loved ones, of your, you know, of your coworkers. It could be many different things. So I'm always just trying to think about how can I save somebody more time and business by framing something in a context very succinctly so that we don't have to go back and forth five or six times. Right. So I'm always looking at things like how I can be more um, productive and thoughtful about somebody else's time or their energy or their Mm -hmm. experience and not sort of drain them of that is one way that I take that into to play. The other one that's come up more recently is this belief that I have that people make decisions based on two primary emotions. And that's love or fear. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm having an interaction with somebody or observing somebody or thinking about somebody or whatever it might be, and maybe I'm at odds with how they acted or their decision, I try to come back to, well, what was the basis of that? Were they acting in love about that? And if that's true, okay, what could that look like? Or were they acting in fear about that? Because I have no idea what's going on in their life. So it really is a grounding point for me to, I think, be more patient with people and compassionate that there's these, and with myself too. So if I'm going to about to make a decision or respond to an email and I'm sort of mad about it, right? I'm going to hammer out this email and send mm-hmm. it to them. I, okay. I ask myself, well, where are you coming from in this? Mm-hmm. Are you being fearful because you think you're not being valued in this situation? And so you're going to tell them what's what, <laughs> or are you maybe considering their point of view and responding differently? So those are two things I try to keep front and center. Great. Thank you. And do you actively do coaching now or is that kind of, I do it informally. Yeah. Right. I, I, I see opportunities where I can maybe be of help or um, if somebody would like some, but yeah, it's more informal. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So here's the fun five questions. Okay. So one, What's the oldest t-shirt you still have and wear? Oh, that's a good one. And it's not a great time to ask me because I recently just purged <laughs> so much of my stuff and like gave it away and donated it. So I'm going to say it's my partner Tim's t-shirts because I wear his t-shirts all the time. And he has a drawer full of about 30 of them that are probably all about 20 years old. So. Nice. Okay. Sounds like my drawer. Yeah. Simple answer. (laughs) I just figure everyone has some old t-shirt that they're almost embarrassed about, you know? So true. And I have a few. (laughs) Uh, So (sighs) we're hearing a lot of people say, oh, it's Groundhog's Day, right? Or sending out the meme 
of Bill Murray holding Groundhog or whatever. Like every day is the same in 2020 because that's what a lot of people have experienced. If it was really Groundhog's Day, what song would you have your alarm clock play? Now in the movie, it was I Got You, Babe. Yeah. Well, I'm familiar because my birthday is actually Groundhog's Day. Oh, wow. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I'm going to go back... I have so many songs that I associate with, right? But the one that just pops in right away is Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Nice. I, I really feel like I'm in this constant evolution and I think I can do anything in this world. And so my own personal sort of mantra, I think, is just don't stop believing. Just go for it. Okay. So that's the song that one day you might wake up, though, and be like, do I have to hear it again? <laughs> but just, it'll be another day. Um, That's right. So coffee or tea or neither? Strong coffee. I think espresso even. I'm obsessed. Yeah, I love coffee too. I think everyone. Yeah, since the pandemic, even more obsessed because of course (laughs) we can't go out and get any. So we have built a, 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 we are baristas here in our house and I have love my espresso and then I get little things to put in it like, you know, an MCT coconut oil to kick it up or a turmeric sort of blend with things in there or, oh yeah, I, I love it. Strong coffee. And you're in the right city for it. If you ever need something to fall true. back on, you can say I'm a barista during a pandemic. That's, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's good. Uh, when was the last time that you recall laughing so hard you cried or just couldn't stop laughing? Like had one of those out of control. Yeah, we were, we watched a comic on Netflix and I can't recall his name right this second, but here's what we got into is we were laughing hard, but what got me laughing harder was my partner, Tim, watching him laughing hard. And I actually then heard somebody on a podcast say that the only way that you can get into that, like no sound coming out of your mouth, (laughs) laughing so hard is actually with somebody you're really close with watching them. So it's actually a vicious sort of cycle. Like you can't stop because they can't stop it. They can't stop because you can't stop. We got into that on the couch so much so that three times during this Netflix special, we had to pause it because we were laughing so hard that we were out of our minds for (laughs) minutes at a time. It was unbelievable. And so then we would compose ourselves again and then we would start watching and we get there again and we would just be rolling tears, a stomach ache really good stuff. That's that's great. And that's that is yeah. the best. I didn't think about that. It's almost like a yawn, you know, how you yawn with yes. yeah, but it's laughing, yes. which is better than yawning kind of. Yes. Uh so last one, who inspires you right now? Hmm. You know what? I am going to say my daughter is inspiring me right now. She is away at college during a pandemic feeling very isolated, Mm -hmm. really out of her comfort zone, doing things I never did. And it's hard. It's hard for her. And I am really proud and in awe and, and inspired by her doing all of those things all at once during this crazy times that we're in. And, um, yeah, that's, that's where my heart is right now. Yeah. Well, that's, that's nice though. And I say right now, because I think for me, it changes over time. Like I have my go-tos that I'm always looking up to, but so that's really nice. Uh, is there anything you want to just say at the end to promote somewhere? If someone wants to look you up, there'll be links, but what's the one thing you think they, you'd like them to read or look at? Well, I want to thank you for doing this oh, yeah. and having me on. This is so fun. Good. I feel like I could talk for ages. So uh, <laughs> that's been really great. Good. I would just say, you know, I'm going to look at really building community around in-service leadership, karma yoga principles. So sooner, hopefully than later, I'm going to actually have a place on my website where you can sign up to be on that mailing list. And I really would just like to be in conversation and communication with people that are curious about the same things I'm curious about. And so, yeah, there's, there's my blog, which you've mentioned. Um, 
I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram. So any of those places, I would love to hear from folks and and uh, see what we can learn from one another. Great. Well, thanks so much, Charmin. It was fun for me too. So time kind of flew. So thank you. Yeah, for sure. All right. Cool. (laughs) Thanks for joining me this week. You can find out more about our guest in the show notes. The music you're probably moving to by now is by Joe Mafia. Find him on Spotify. That's Joe, M-A-F-F-I-A. And Rob Medke is responsible for our visual design. You can find him online by searching for Rob, M-E-T-K-E. Thanks, Rob. Let us know who you'd like to hear from or about your own experiences defining yourself outside of work at More Than Work Pod on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Give us a follow. Or visit our website at RobbiaSaid.com. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to More Than Work. We'll be back next week with another guest. In the meantime, while being kind to others, don't forget to be kind to yourself. 